Please be advised that in order to foster quality discussions in each episode, we will spoil the stories in each game and text we talk about. Good news is, 90% of the titles we cover are old enough that many of you might already know all about them. That said, we do encourage you to play and read before listening. I can't stop thinking about how you made fun of me for copying everything I was, everything you were doing when we were in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, you were, you did copy every meal we went to. You ordered the same thing every beer. The thing is, I'm so cool. I know. The thing is, we have similar tastes, <laughs> and the first place we went to. I picked the sandwich. I was like, "Ooh, that sounds good," and then and then you said, "Ooh, the turtle soup sounds good too." And I was like, "Oh, that does sound good." When do so you ever we, get turtle soup? I we didn't even know what turtle soup was, and I and if if by chance there was actual turtle in there, that would have been delicious. It didn't taste like turtle. It tasted like beef. No, it was beef, chicken, and something else. It was delectable though. It was really good, and then. For other stuff, it was uh, I, I, it was just ribbon that we were wrapping our uh, <laughs> wives' gifts in boxes with. But we both liked red. Sue me for choosing red after you chose red. I don't know. I felt that was a deliberate choice on your part. You looked at me and thought, "And oh, no, I got to go red because that is nice." That guy knows ribbons. I. We're buying gifts for our wives, and I just felt like it's an appropriate color to be away for a whole day and then come home late at night. And uh, You know what's funny? I think on that whole trip, I don't believe either of us ate anything different from the other. Like, we went to the Ethiopian restaurant, ate all the same goo. We shared a big goo meal. Um, we had beer flights, and we had... It's the same exact beer, so okay. we could review them. That one, that was the, that w- there wasn't <laughs> even an option there. They had two options for flights. One had sours and and wild whatever, and the other one was like IPAs and stuff. Yeah, and I don't I don't like IPAs that much unless they're like like one offs that are, that are like I don't uh, want a whole flight of IPAs. Yeah, so it was like I, the whole time t- before I like leading up to ordering that, I was just like. He's going to rag me about ordering the same damn thing as him. But how could I choose? I, like, I'm not just going to choose things that I don't like just for the sake of not of not copying. <laughs> to be fair, at least at the bookstore, you bought different books than I bought. I did. If you bought the same books, that would have been pretty stupid because you could just borrow the book I bought or vice versa. Right. Well, anyway. That has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about. <laughs> no. But I was, I do have another random uh, thing. I was just thinking about how uh, a lot of the games we're doing right now are um, all like retro games mostly. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly because that's what's most accessible to both of us. Mainly because you don't have your, I mean, I guess you can get some of the other systems, but from your, you know, you've had them. But it's just what you can readily play because well, you have the emulator. Right. 
um, I thought it would be fun. And maybe this isn't necessarily uh, going to make any permanent decisions for us, but I was online and I found these uh, uh, wheels. If I can get on the internet. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, we'll have to do it off air unless this one works. What is the spinning wheel I'm looking at? So this wheel we're looking at, um, it's a random game chooser. Oh. And the other, there was another one before this. Um, Gobs of Games USA? <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah. Gobs? I, I've never heard of games referred to as well, gobs. These are all these are all Game Boy Color games, just this one in particular. But the, I found, it was like a Reddit post that, that um, it showed this this guy just randomly, because he was bored, made uh, like uh, roulette wheels for uh, uh, certain older systems. And then to correspond with that, he made a roulette wheel that for like all of the games on each of those systems. Uh, that way you can randomly choose a game to play if you don't have the ability to do so at the time. And I thought it would be fun if, uh, although I didn't have the foresight to remember that. Connect to the internet? Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting so, idea, though. I like that. Yeah. That also so. takes choice out of the matter and it just leaves it to chance. So we right. both could end up playing a terrible game, a yeah. great game, or one in the middle that we would never pick normally. Exactly. Uh, I think the odds are because there's so many retro games and uh, s- systems. I'm going to say, is every single line a game? It is. That there, so, It's like, it just, you can't even see the lines. It's yeah. like infinite. So the, the one that, this one's working right now just because it was left up on my computer, but the other ones, the, the browser went down. So... <laughs> like right now, ESPN International Track and Field. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't what, what book would coincide with ESPN International Track and you Field? You know, I just thought maybe the Jesse Owens biography. I, maybe <laughs> I just thought maybe uh, maybe we don't even have to read a book with it if it doesn't work. It just w- do the game. Yeah, maybe le- just like a twenty-minute episode or something like that. That could be a fun little mini-series. Yeah. Randomly generated games. Just an offshoot. I'm sure a book version of this exists, too, or, like, short stories. That'd be cool. Yeah, probably. That would be cool. That way we don't have to be, like, hard-pressed thinking about a book and a game that match. We just do, like, like a a pair of randos. Right. Yeah. Some ESPN track and field erotica or something (laughs) (laughs) comes up. Like, oh, I don't know about that. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we can splice in after we record this maybe maybe we can connect to the internet do it record it and actually spin in this and uh add it to the end of the record uh, at the end of the episode or something like that all right we could do that yeah and then just going off of this it would be cool if later on we could add some newer stuff like not not brand new but if there was a way that we could play some more updated games that would be fun. I want to do that. Yeah. Because, like, I'm playing... I mean, I haven't, I haven't been actively playing it, but I, I was playing Bioshock again at home just because they had a really good sale on the trilogy. And uh, that would definitely be... That would probably be an easy one to pair a book with. Right. But... Uh, There's also a lot like, of cool Steam games out there that you haven't played yet. There are. And you as well. Uh, yeah, I've only played one Steam game so far. And I've been playing it a lot. That's a Fear and Hunger game. Yeah. And also I found out, spoiler alert for anybody who's not played Fear and Hunger, when you beat the game, you get a code that leads you to a new game. Oh. 
It's uh, called Dungeon Knights, and it is a dating simulator <laughs> with all the horrible characters from the game. You're in high school, and you're trying to get a prom date, and so that's what I'm playing now. It's ridiculous. So you get like all these, terrible. all the characters that rip you apart and kill you and stuff. Now that you're trying to date them and stuff. Oh wait, so is it like a graphic dating game? Like no, it was originally <laughs> meant to be an adult dating game, but now it's like the art style is cheap anime, okay. and it's it seems so far it seems pretty harmless. You still can go in the dungeons and fight and probably yeah. get murdered real bad, but it's not <laughs> as bad as the regular game. And I don't think, as far as I know, there are no uh, exploits because they're supposed to be in high school. Oh, that's right. So it should be okay, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, you still see nudity just because the characters, a lot of them are naked for whatever reason, but they're gross, so it's not like... But this is also, this wouldn't be a game you would play without playing the original game. And if you play the original game, I would uh, hope you're an adult because that game is brutal. Yeah. I thought maybe we could do it now because I don't really want to play it. (laughs) It's so fun, though. But, yeah, I just don't want to play a gross game. But I I thought maybe we could... Dismemberment. I thought maybe we could do an episode... uh, where we, you and I just, maybe you just tell me about it. Oh. <laughs> That'll still be an R-rated episode. No, it will, but I don't have to play it that way. Okay. Hey, but, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Maybe it can be like a closer to Halloween kind of thing. Yeah. I will just say this for the listeners. In that game, there are monsters that blank, and then they blank, and then they put a blank in your blank, and then blank you to blank, and then you blank and blank, and then until you blank all over the blank. Just, you know, just putting that out there. I've seen it. Yeah, I've showed Bryce. It's 32 uh, bits, so it's not like it's going to be graphic, really, in the... uh, Like, the graphic style aren't going to be graphic. It's not going to be gross in that way, but you still see what's happening. And I showed Bryce, and it is still disturbing. (laughs) <laughs> to say the least. But it's yeah, also it's a very pretty, cool game. It's pretty weird. It it's kinda weird to see the like sixteen bit graphics made to uh be something so It's like playing Zelda, then they're like, they're doing things that shouldn't be done in a game yeah, like that. Because it like you you see sixteen bit graphics and you think of if you're like our age ish, you think of like childhood things and that just It does throw you off a little bit. It doesn't yeah. mesh in your mind. It's a uh, it's a dis- disturbing game, but it's definitely worth the play if you like uh, RPGs and dungeons and horror and that kind of stuff. Fantasy. Yeah, it does look cool. I it's just the, very cool. The graphic part of it is just like I don't need that in a game. I mean, every but part it, of it's graphic. So yeah, most of the I mean, villains you fight yeah, have their so. wieners out, but they're also it looks co- the art looks cool though. Yeah, but most of like the graphic nudity, it's like gross nudity, like. So you have wieners, but they're giant leg-sized wieners that can stab you and stuff. <laughs> you have boobs, but they're like old saggy witch breasts. Like it's not nothing in there is uh, anything you want to see. Yeah, it's all pretty gross. But there's a, it's still very graphic. Do not let your kids play that game. Yeah. Welcome to Arcade Bookshop. <laughs> <laughs> Where we uh, talk- by the way, I like how we're going to be discussing a very wholesome game <laughs> yeah. by all metrics compared to what I was just talking about. <laughs> So, welcome to Arcade Bookshop, where we talk about video games and their literary counterparts for all of you who love to play and to read. I'm Bryce Yoli, and as always, I'm here with my pal and cousin-in-law, Caleb James. Today, we're talking about Final Fantasy IX, originally released in 2000 for the PlayStation 1. So, why we chose this game. I chose this game. You chose this game. I've never played this game. Right. We kind of talked about that. But the, the thing is, I thought it was still fair. 
that I mean we we try we both try to play each game and read each book um or have played and read each book. Uh this time Caleb at least you you backseat watched it with your brother. Yeah, he played I I played a little bit of it when I was a kid, but I never made it through the game. I remember getting stuck at like this jump rope scene that went on forever like you're jump roping and counting the jump ropes, I think. And I, I feel like that went on for an eternity, and I just didn't play beyond that, I don't think. Yeah, that was like five minutes into the game. Yeah, so I, I the very point. beginning, because I remember, I remember some of the characters and the general plot, but I never actually played the game through. Yeah. And I probably never will. That's fine. It's long. It's, hard, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to play when you're an adult, unless you really want to devote the time to... And, and that, I mean, that's... I'm doing it. I, but I've played this game through like three or four times. Uh, this was like my favorite game of all time for years. It might still be. Although, this last playthrough, I think it felt like, it, it felt as though it might be my final playthrough. Yeah, your final fantasy playthrough. Yeah. It is uh, your final fantasy. Correct. It didn't have as much substance this last playthrough as it as it used to growing up i don't know i still enjoyed it and it's still i think it's always going to feel especially the music and everything it's always going to feel like really nostalgic to me the really long cutscenes yeah and they aren't they aren't like they aren't terribly long i think the there's, worst there's part a lot actually, of them aren't there yeah well the actual cutscenes there's not that many like the ones that are actually animated oh okay but there are a lot of like where where you're not playing and you're just reading. Mm-hmm. I was like, after getting used to the progression of games up to modern day, and like you know, getting used to the fact that everything is voice acted now, and then going back to uh, like when we played Earthbound, when I played Earthbound, it didn't really phase me that much because there's not that like all that much story to it. Like, yeah, it doesn't. It's not one of those ones where you have to read for ten minutes at a time. Yeah. So, when I was playing Final Fantasy Nine, I was like, damn, I'm reading a lot. And I like it, but at the same time, it's like, you, I think, especially after playing it so many times, as many times as I did, mm-hmm. and wanting to, like, get, like, move on, just, like, progress as fast as I can, because like, I've, I've experienced the story already, like, I already get all this stuff, I know where everything is, all that. Uh, it really feels like it takes forever, it, and the some of the stuff you have to read, but it's just not interesting. Uh, at least, again, at least like on my playthrough. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I still love it. I'm always going to. I think the music always really hits home for me. Well, from my understanding, this is the black sheep of the Final Fantasy PlayStation games, and I didn't know that, and I thought I'm. I could be mistaken, but I thought I listened to something recently that said that this was, like, insanely popular. Or maybe it just got insanely popular after the fact. It grew over time. We discussed this very briefly off-air. The creator of Final Fantasy, this is, I think, his favorite one, at least when it came out. He uh, believed this was as close to what Final Fantasy is supposed to be that they have gotten to. Like, this was his real vision of Final Fantasy, this wholesome type of uh, fun, nostalgia-styled game, whereas a lot of, like, Final Fantasy VII, you know, it's kind of a little 
dark or a little more hardcore. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the Final Fantasy games are like that. But around 2000, when it came out, it was the edgy time. You know, everyone was uh, very edgy and emo, and they wanted hardcore steampunk and yeah. just stuff like that. So going back to an old style fantasy game with knights and heroes and saving the princess or the princess saving you, those kind of things. People didn't want that, so it actually wasn't. It did the, by the numbers, it didn't do very well when it came out. But over the years, it's kind of gained like a cult following and has become mm-hmm. one of the most popular Final Fantasy games. But it's still the black sheep because when it came out, no one really wanted it, but the people who played it really loved it, like you. It's interesting, and I I obviously didn't play it when it came out because I was only like six years old. But uh, I played it later on my, because my brother had it, who is like. Roughly, you're, he's probably a little older than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a few years older than you. This is this might just be my own deduction, but when I look at Final Fantasy IX, to me, it looks like Final Fantasy VII and VIII combined. Yeah, I kind of get that. Because, and there's actually a line where they reference the main character of VII and VIII in the, in, early on in Final Fantasy IX, too. But I guess that's kind of beside the point. It just looks to me like... They like they came out with with Final Fantasy VII, and it was supposed to be this. It was supposed to be huge, and it was like just, I mean, literally like the the world was supposed to be huge. It's like super involved. The story was supposed to be intense, and they accomplished all that. But one big thing about it was that the story was over everyone's head. At least if you're an American, yeah. It 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 was kind of a. It's probably more along the lines of I don't know like. A Japanese story, Japanese like theme, or the kind of story they would tell, or wherever they, wherever it came from. But Japan, yeah, I figured. I just wasn't sure, but well, yeah, there's a lot of Japanese mythology and some references and the creatures and just the general way the characters act is a lot of it's based on Japanese anime, mythology, culture. So us dumb Americans, especially at the time, we. Definitely, there was a little bit of a distance, you know, there's a little bit of a gap between our understanding completely of the game uh, compared to the Japanese understanding of the game, but we still got to have a lot of fun with it. Right. Which, is I, probably, which you could probably say about most Final Fantasy games, I would think. Yeah, well, they're all great, uh, except for like the first one, maybe. Sidebar, when I was looking up on YouTube, I just typed in Final Fantasy. Yeah. And the main, like, a whole list and the recommended come up. 16 seemed to be the biggest one. Uh, then Final Fantasy 7. And nowhere on the list was Final Fantasy 9. It was, like, the one that was not brought up when I looked. I don't understand. You I, know, And even the videos, when I looked it up, there were a lot of videos that were really, really long on Final Fantasy 9 because I guess the story is so complex. I didn't look at the other ones. So I don't know if they're similar, but... Talking like hour plus videos of just describing the story alone. Jeez, it's it's funny because the way I was gonna co- approach it was that like seven super complex, eight like from what I understand totally missed the mark. I only played about half of eight. Before. I played eight and I could not remember anything about it. I remember I didn't really like it. Yeah, cool. I think I got to like I only didn't finish it because our third disc was scratched and I couldn't keep going. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, yeah, for our younger listeners in the old times, <laughs> you had to put multiple discs to play a game. You had to switch the disc. Yeah, and Terrible. that was always it. Always, it was cool though because at least I mean I only 
Well, I did it with seven and nine. Because you get to those points and you're like, hell yeah, I'm getting to the next. Like you I'm feel progressing. They yeah. used to do that with VHS tapes too. You'd have oh, the yeah. one, Titanic. I remember. I think it was a two pack. Yep. And you had to put in the second VHS. And you're like, what is happening? This is right. a long movie. <laughs> I think we had that too. But yeah, and I I felt like, yeah, I felt similar about eight. Even as much as I did play, it was just really like dull and boring. I don't know. But for nine, I felt like they made it for Americans. It definitely is more palatable to the American audience. Yeah. And it the point I'm getting at is I It's closer to like a fairy tale story too. And it it just feels like it does end up getting really complex towards the end, but uh I don't think it's like all that complex in comparison to like seven like i know generally what seven's about but i couldn't sit here and yeah there's a lot going on what the plot is really I, I know they're like ecological protesters or whatever you know they're i think seven became so popular be- well one that was probably what the first final fantasy game that came out that had like those kind of graphics which look terrible yeah. now but when they came out it was revolutionary right but mainly cloud with this giant sword was an awesome looking character. Yeah. And he had a cool name and people were like, "Yep, that is badass." And then they just forgive any faults of the game might have had because it's just you know, at the time it was just amazing. But uh Final Fantasy 9 does not really have a character, at least from what I watched, that's very memorable like that. Oh. I mean in like a cool way. Like yeah, the v- the- we'll discuss it later, but we have like the VV character which is like a black mage. He has a distinct look. That's kind of cool, but he's not like a badass, you know. He's not. He's more of like a Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball Z. He comes <laughs> seems like the fun side character. He doesn't seem like he should be, you know, a cool main character. At least in my opinion. Yeah, I think, and I think that goes into a point that a major point that we're well, not a major point, but one of the main themes of the story is just that it's it's about having a team and like it's about doing things because you should. Even if uh, even if a person doesn't seem like they should be a be a part of your group, I guess I guess that's well. There's a lot of people in the group as the game progresses that end up going off on their own way for one reason or the other, and it's uh, most of them have a character arc where it's like, oh, I don't belong, or I don't need anyone. You know the typical character arcs we get in stories, and then it always ends up with them, oh, I do need these people, and they need me, and I'm accepted. So you get right. that. It's all a lot of it's about acceptance and identity. Yeah, definitely identity is something we're gonna get to. And but before we go on, the book that we're pairing with this we thought was a good match is uh, uh which we'll talk about next episode next week. It's going to be American Gods by Neil Gaiman. And the main reason we thought these two paired together, which uh, mainly because of the gods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the gods. It was kind of a forced pairing because I was reading American Gods. Caleb had already read American Gods, and I was, I was playing Final Fantasy IX just because I wanted to. And you wanted to read American Gods. Yeah, and and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make these two go together, <laughs> and uh, and I did. And but as I was reading Amer, I finished the game first, and I finished American Gods afterwards. And as I got to the end of American Gods, there's this one part, which we'll talk about more in depth next time, but there's there's, a one, there's one part that I was like, holy crap, this actually really matches up with one of the end, ending scenes in Final Fantasy IX. 
And it made me feel a lot more confident about pairing these together for the episode. Um, but ultimately, the main thing that uh, that they have in common, uh, initially anyway, is just the gods, which is a commonality in every Final Fantasy game, I think. You always have, in your, in your uh, battle system or whatever, you always have your summons or whatever they call them. In this game, they call them Eidolons. Yeah. Or however you say that. And they're try- like the bad guys are trying to steal them from the characters. Right. Well, this game gets like the basic synopsis or how it starts is very not complex, but it's definitely out there. You have a planet called Terra, I believe, and it has they have these planets have like these life crystals inside of them that when people die, their soul goes into the crystal and the crystal sends their soul into a new body. So people, it's like a reincarnation type of thing, mm-hmm. but then the crystal gets weaker and sicker, and then people, I guess they stop the cycle, and humanity's going to die out. So one character, um, what is his name, Garda, or the bad guy? Garland. Garland. He takes the crystal to another planet, Gaia, I believe. That's where our, our characters are mainly located, and he just injects this crystal into that planet, which already has its own crystal, and the crystals are competing. And then he has to rig it up because, you know, the the lively crystal of that planet doesn't need this old dying crystal. So all the souls are going to that one. He blocks the souls to, from going to that one, which creates a huge mist over the planet. And then, industrious as these people are, they use this mist, which is kind of fucked up. They <laughs> use the mist to fly boats on like they have these boats these air boats airships. that can yeah airships that can go on the mist but the mist is just tortured souls pretty much like it's kind of messed up when you look at it that way yeah so they're just flying on the souls that weren't reincarnated <laughs> reincarnated and it's just like oh it's terrible but that's like the basis of it and this old dead crystal i guess is taking over for the new one and that's just how it really... starts that's not even the actual story that unfolds that's just how it starts well it's how it well since you haven't played the game <laughs> is this before or after the jump roping? Well, that like that's that's before the events of the game start. Yeah. But you don't even find out about that until towards the end of the game. I mean, pretty much at the end of the game, you know, the last the last third or, or quarter at least. At the front end, the it starts out the game's about a group of thieves who go under the guise of a, a traveling theater company to kid, kidnap the princess of Alexandria. And it turns out the princess wants to be kidnapped because something has made her uh, her mother, Queen Braun, go crazy. She's getting hostile. She's uh, planning a war between the nations of their planet Gaia. And the uh, the main character you play as is part of the uh, that theater company, the group of thieves. And his name is Zidane, who uh, ends up being accompanied with other characters who want to protect the princess and find out about themselves and save the world. That's essentially what it is. But the interesting thing about the the wars that are beginning is you find out a bit later that much of the reason behind it is just to cause chaos, to bring out bring about the summoning of these Eidolons uh, so that Queen Braun can steal them for herself and gain power. And the I was going to say earlier... Uh, the interesting thing is that in every Final Fantasy game, it seems all of these, all of the summons or the Eidolons or whatever you call them, they they all have god names from actual mythology, and they never really—I mean, at least 
from what I can tell. They never really explain why they're called what they are. That's just what they are. Right. Um, But it's cool because not all of them, but almost all of those uh, summons, those the Eidolons, uh, the names they use, all of them are characters in American Gods. But it doesn't make any sense why they're on another planet. No, it doesn't. Nor does it make sense why we have a Alexandria. Was Alexander that great that he conquered Gaia at one point? <laughs> <laughs> I need answers to this. There's a lot of unexplained things and just becauses in Final Fantasy games, I think. A quick diversion. If you're writing fantasy, it is very hard. If you're Or sci-fi, if you have something set on an alien planet, there is no Earth that doesn't exist in your world, but you still have to use names that we're you know we're familiar with on earth it just yeah. if you look at it any deeper it makes no sense there's no alexandria on gaia who was alexander in that that area well i think the other thing is i i don't i think they call it gaia but i think it's supposed to be earth. essentially earth it could be because well doesn't terra also mean earth it does and i, I think that's I, there's probably something there that i didn't have the time to delve into laziness but. on the writer's part <clears throat> <laughs> between calling me lazy and I was actually calling not, the Final Fantasy writers lazy not oh, you oh okay about yeah. having earth and earth <laughs> you know what I hear lazy and you then just I think it's about you. me <laughs> just drink your pickle beer man yeah it's delicious it's pickly um now I forget what I was talking about Caleb you weren't talking about anything no you were talking about Gaia and how oh well was the, I was just gonna say it in the game there is context like riddled with about it uh that says it takes place in the 1800s and this is obviously not the real 1800s it's like a steampunk version of it or whatever you want to call it it's it's kind of steampunk anyway but i think there's a degree of it like taking place in like an alternate earth yeah so i don't think it's all like complete uh fantasy or on a different planet from my viewing of this game, it seemed that the creators, like you mentioned earlier, how they kind of made this towards American audiences, they seem to have westernized the story, with the fantasy elements especially. So you have a lot of uh, like Britain fantasy styles with like knights and castles and things like that. And then, I don't know, is there, I'm going to assume not having watched every part of the game nor having played the game, is there any kind of american west part in this game because they love to do that in those kind of games where you have one guy that has guns and he shoots them or he has oh. a cowboy hat or like they do that in some games i'm sure there was probably a forest area where you have forest creatures or something that you deal with yeah there was that there was probably some kind of ice mountain or some point is yep. there or it's an ice cave um uh, i don't think final fantasy is known for water levels though because i know a lot of games especially the old nes games always had a fucking water level the only thing i can think of in this one is there's one where you're you're kind of in like a cave sort mm. of and and there's there's water you have to deal with like you have to manipulate it to get around mm. but i don't think there's an actual water like underwater or anything like good i don't think so <laughs> can i blow your mind real quick okay in neil game and stardust they have a airship do they oh yeah yeah they do i didn't read that but i the uh and it's a high fi- damn it that probably would have been a really good comparison for this game. Yeah. Neil Gaiman's fairy tale book. He has yeah. an airship. 
you have a princess. You have, uh, um, I don't know if this game, does it start off in a small, well, Alexandria, you said, but does it start off in like a small contained town and then you spread out? Because that's what Stardust does. So, kind of. So, like, it's, you're not necessarily stuck in the town, but there's, you start on one continent and then as the game progresses, you, uh, it opens up to, I think, three others. Mm. So, yeah, it does, it opens up like that. Yeah. So American Gods and Stardust combined make this game. Yeah. It's interesting. I think, I mean, I haven't read Stardust. It's really good. I don't, but I'm not I, a big fan of fairy tales, but it's very good. It probably would have been better just for, like, sim- simplifying all of this. Yeah. But because both Final Fantasy IX and American Gods are, like, pretty complex, detailed stories. But I really liked American Gods. And it's it, really it's fun to so good. About. It's really good. Yeah. I'm going to run down mechanics and gameplay and stuff real quick. I don't think there's like a whole lot to say about it because it's mostly this isn't mostly a story-driven game. Um and it's if you've played a Final Fantasy game, like you know you know what it is. Standard RPG, especially at this point in in the series. It's still turn-based, which they the, the you still have the skill learning thing which they started in Final Fantasy 7, I think. You have to, you know, there's the grinding like in a typical RPG. There's world exploration, which is in every single one of them. There's lots and lots and lots of reading. And like I said before, I almost forgot how much reading there was until I had to do it all again a fourth time. Um, <laughs> you're, uh, there's, there's tons of secrets, which is always a, like one of the coolest parts of Final Fantasy. All the Easter eggs. Like, yeah, how, uh, how they hide things or reference the other games. For me, on my fourth playthrough, already knowing where everything was pretty much and how to get it all, it wasn't that exciting. It's just kind of <laughs> something I had to drudge through. But if it's your first time playing it, it's always fun to have to like hunt for things or figure out the puzzles. Although sometimes, sometimes they do it. They they set it up in a way where it's like no one could possibly ever figure this out without cheating. But somebody obviously did because someone had to to tell us how to do it on the internet. Could have been the game designers. There's well, I don't some. Know if there's that's what they. Well, there's certain games that have come out where, like, ten years later, or even immediately, if people just can't figure it out, the game designers are like, "Hey, this is what you have to do to solve this, or this is really? the secret that you're missing." They've had to do that because sometimes they get a little too complex. Yeah. And I'm sure the game designers are the one who write because back then, 2000 era, that's a lot of. Uh, game guide walkthroughs mm-hmm. so i'm sure there was a final fantasy 9 walkthrough that somebody had to come up with that tells you everything oh actually you know i think i'm pretty sure it's final fantasy 9 i didn't even have this in my notes to talk about but since you brought it up i think they they made final fantasy the, the strategy guide for final fantasy 9 at the time where the internet was really starting to ramp up and it turned out that like people bought this this strategy guide and then like 50 percent of the book if not more was just constant references to the internet. <laughs> it was like, oh, you want to know how to do this? Look at the, the internet yeah. for free. <laughs> uh, you already bought the book, though. Yeah. Just tell me how to do it in the it fucking was book. Like, useless. So, because uh, I was actually thinking about getting it just to have it because it's my, it's my favorite Final Fantasy. It's probably like $100 you know, it's, now. Yeah, well, it's worthless. I don't even know if it is just because it's, it's I mean, I don't know if I don't know if they consider that stuff like 
antique and valuable or anything, but I don't. Th- I mean, I think you would still find it like at the exchange or probably half price books. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, another another uh, common thing in in all, I think all Final Fantasy games is uh, chocobos. You know about chocobos, Caleb? Mm, sounds familiar. Are those those things you ride? Yeah, the yellow like giant chicken things. Yeah, the giant chicken. Okay, I, yeah. yes, I'm aware. Yeah, I didn't. I, I why? I, that's so weird that how things stick in your memory sometimes because you said that name and it could you could have been speaking another language, but for some reason, deep in the recesses of my brain, that chicken thing came up in my head. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, is that right? It can't be right, but it is right. Yeah, and they, uh, uh, yeah, they, they, they're actually a big part of, uh, not the game, but there's this whole side quest in, in the game. You don't have to race them, do you? No, you do, and that's in 7. Yeah, I know. I'm just yeah. saying you don't have to race them, do you? No, I remember, that's why I, I hated them. In 9, it's uh, Chocobo treasure hunting, so you go to like these certain forests, and uh, you just have to like wander around the little map of the the forest area you're in and you, I think you just jam like X or square mm-hmm. or something and well for me I play the port for Switch so it, the controls are different but uh, yeah you just mash the button you, you just you watch what the uh, what the Chocobo says when you when he pecks down on the ground yeah and uh, depending what his text looks like when he gets to like all capitals the thing they say is Quay Quay <laughs> so stupid but uh, if it's all caps then uh it means, or it's or it's mostly caps. It means you're near it. And then when it's all caps, it means you found something. And then when you found something, you just jam the button. Stupid. <laughs> but it ends up that uh, you find things like chocographs. So it like it's a little clip, like a little a frame of a like a photo of a certain part of the world. Mm-hmm. And you have to go find where that wherever that part of the world is, and go hunt there and with your chocobo in the world and uh find treasure outside of the forest and it sounds so stupid talking about it and i feel like an idiot <laughs> but it's fun it it is especially your first time doing it my, this last time like i'm just gonna keep saying that the last time it was like it really got on my nerves and i was Torture. like <laughs> yeah and like i i i knew how to do it all but i was like i've done this all a thousand times i'm looking it up uh, i I couldn't remember the specifics, but and it, if you're just looking at those frames, it's just like you can't. I mean, you could have eventually figured it out, but it's just not worth the time. Uh, but anyway, doing that is how you find like three of the of the ultimate weapons in the game for the main characters, and it's stupid chocobo treasure so you, hunt. You like have to, yeah, you almost have to do it. Is this game the same planet as the Final Fantasy game, or are these intergalactic chicken monsters that are just on all the planets? Is the Chocobo game the same? No, the Final Fantasy Nine. Is it the same planet? Gaia? Is that Final Fantasy Seven? I think they're all different. I, I'm but not then why are the chickens positive. involved? In, that's what I'm just saying. Fantasy. Is it intergalactic chickens? Are these things yeah, everywhere? I guess so. If you Have wanna... they conquered the universe, but are just very bad? Like they just they inhabit all these planets, but we don't really maybe acknowledge that. Maybe that's a whole separate theme that we can explore at a later date. Is there a Dune version of those <laughs> stupid chickens around, like where they're just going to different planets and living? Dune. Yeah, you know, like, like Frank Herbert's yeah, Dune. We're going yeah. to different planets. We have <laughs> these kingdoms that have to conquer different planets or just live on different planets and rule them. Are these chickens like that? But they're just not very good at ruling stuff, so they just 
have treasure hunts and races? You know, it might be. And uh, if that fan fiction isn't out there, maybe you can write that. I'm just saying there is somewhere out there a lore for these stupid chickens of why they exist on different planets. <laughs> they, or, they didn't just evolve on different planets like that. Yeah, or what the planets are between Final Fantasy games because they're all wildly different. I don't know. I don't have an answer. That's okay. Let's move on. Okay. So my my biggest complaint about this game, but only about the Switch port, which is actually, I think it was originally a port for like mobile devices. Uh, my only complaint is they added this feature where uh, it adds like three or four just cheats to turn on at the corner of your screen, and it's just always there. And if you're not careful, you can bump it. And I kept bumping like battle help and stuff like that. I don't know. You can like max out your health. You can always be in trance. And if you don't know, trance is like it's like when you go. It's sort of like when you go Super Saiyan. If you know Dragon Ball Z, you you just yeah. turn like a superhero in in battle, and you're just invincible. Kind of. You get like additional attacks that you can't ordinarily use. Japanese love their Super Saiyan, don't they? Yeah. They just love characters that just go, they just get souped up in, in fights. But I gotta say, it's fun. It's fun doing that shit. You wanna know what my only complaint is? What? Five minutes of jump rope. Why is that there? You get, I think you get uh, playing cards after if you win. I just remember there's like a numbers 10, yeah. 11, 12. It just goes on even, and on. I didn't even do it this time. I did it before. It's just one of those, like, fun little things at the beginning of the fun? game. Fun? Did you say fun? Well, at the beginning of the game, when you're just trying, you're, like, edging, your, edging yourself into it. You're, like, just getting into the groove. I don't think you can get away with that in a modern game. No, it's it was a different time. You can't have an extended jump rope scene now it, with the internet. Because people would be, they would just, like, have a button. They'd hook up their, their if they're playing on a console, they'd ho- hook up their controller so there's a button that just presses every time or whatever. So they wouldn't have to just sit there and watch it. Yeah. Well, you probably could have done that back then, too. I don't know. but I didn't have the technology, Bryce. <sighs> Listen. Get one of those little, remember those bird toys that just like went up and down and yeah. oscillated? Just sit there and pick Or how the about button? that? Did you ever have that other Super Nintendo controller with all the switches and buttons on it? And you could just sit it, you could just auto you can have it just auto-jam a, a button. No, Bryce, because I'm not a cheater. A lot of people had that, Caleb. I wasn't I a cheater. I wasn't one of those fucking <laughs> turbo soy boys that sit there and just turbo everything. It was. A, I didn't like that controller, but it was a cool thing. Uh-huh. A lot of people talked about it. I had a game genie. I did cheat. <laughs> That's for Genesis, but still. All right, 45 minutes into this podcast, let's talk about some real shit. Okay. We could probably talk about this game for like nine hours because there's so much. I want to focus on just a few things. Some things that I noticed, that I've always noticed, especially, are themes of identity and mortality or the fragility of life. The reason that I say that is that most, if not all, of the characters all throughout the game... Spoiler... We we're doing the spoiler thing ahead of that. We're gonna insert that at the beginning of the every show. You're recording think. a your spoiler alert and just I'm put gonna it at the do beginning it. Of every I'm gonna episode. do it on every episode. All and right, then, and then just, I'll just be the jackass that brings it up every episode. You're until always they start gonna be up. a jackass. Well, that's and good. that'll make up for the fact that you're always making fun of me for copying off of you. Well, if you'd stop copying, what, what kind of beer are you drinking now? Is it one of my pickle beers that I'm drinking? 
It's or the is it same your, one that you're drinking. So it's not your own pickle beer. <laughs> it's my spicy pickle beer that you're drinking. Go on with your mortality. I'm just going to go back to the fact that we have very similar tastes, and it's good taste. That That it is. I will agree with that. Anyway. Anyway. Both like the Gilmore Girls, too. Shut up and don't judge us. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like all of the characters, or most if not all, have similar like questionings about themselves and uh, where they came from, too. Zidane has no idea where he actually came from. He had an adoptive father. Weren't most of these just dropped, like, characters yeah. dropped out of an airplane, <laughs> basically? <laughs> yeah. Well, Zidane was, literally, I think. Wasn't uh, Vivi, he fell out of one? Did he? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure he, like, because he was raised by a big fat guy. Yeah, well, he was raised by, because there's another character. I don't know if you saw this character, the character Queena. Yeah. They uh, get married. Well, you can make them get married. Yeah, but it turns out, you find this little cave, like, late in the game. You find out that Vivi's, well, grandpa, the one who raised him, is actually the same race as that Queena character. Yeah. Uh, which nobody knows what the hell they are. Oh, Jar Jar Binks of the Final Fantasy right. universe. All right, yeah. But then, because he, but I'm they, pretty sure he got dumped out of an airplane. I think then the princess yeah, and the little girl also get dumped out of airplanes or like flying things. Like, don't they all just get found? Well, the little they, girl didn't. Iko or Eco? I don't know what she's called. Like the but, princess, because she, her race, they have horns on their head. Mm-hmm. She got her horn cut off, and she was adopted by the the king and queen, I guess. But the the little girl, she, I forget, she didn't get adopted, but. Didn't, so I, I swear up. they were all dumped. I, they, I, even if they weren't, the I'm saying they're all dumped out. Dagger, the, her, the, Princess Garnett's nickname is Dagger. Dagger, Dagger, Dagger was uh, showed up in a boat in Alexandria, I believe, and they got dumped out of that boat. And and they found her. Oh, what a surprise! And, <laughs> you're just chastising me this entire episode because <laughs> you haven't played this game. I don't like not being in the know. <laughs> I do know they ripped off Chrono Trigger and every other series that has a princess that has a secret identity at the beginning, and then the main character that might just, finds it because her hair probably gets lit on fire or something dumb, and her wig falls off. probably another Japanese theme. It's probably not that they ripped it off. They always do that. There's always something with their wig falls off, gets yeah. ablaze, gets wet, and then it's like, oh my god, it's the prince. I would have never known because her hair was a different color. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Dagger, go on. Well, with Dagger, the the actual princess got sick and died and then this dagger shows up as a little girl or a baby or whatever in this boat and uh her mother died because of the storm or whatever the game's very happened. depressing by the way and if you didn't catch that it's so wholesome but then everybody yeah. just dies yeah i mean not a, not everybody dies but people it's a die. lot of the most lovable characters i don't think that's necessarily true anyway I'm having a hard time getting to my points here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're dilly-dallying for. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> they So she had a horn. They cut it off, and, to, and to, they just wanted to, they didn't want to, they wanted to pass her off as Princess Garnett to the people, and they just raised her as the princess because she looked, ex- she was a twin of her, basically, except for the horn. So they cut the horn off, and they just raised her as the princess. Um, what purpose could a horn serve a humanoid? Well, in the game, this chair is very squeaky today. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Uh, in the game, the horn, you find out once you meet the little girl, Eco, the horn is like a direct connection to the gods. Is that what gives them their Eidolon. Super Saiyan's power? 
No, but it like I Eco can she has the power to like speak to them, I think. Mm. If she wants to. And she can so she has like she's really I mean, in the story anyway, I hate playing with her as in the game, but uh in in what she, from what they explain, she has like a direct line to speak to them and to harness their powers and everything and anything you want to do with the gods, the Eidolons. Um, but anyway, back to identity. Uh, <laughs> There's too much in this game. There's way too much. That's why I want to focus on this one thing. So Zidane it doesn't know who is where he came from. Dagger doesn't know where she came from until late in the game. Um, Vivi was dropped off somewhere. You doesn't gotta, know what he is either. Right, he doesn't even know what he is or or why he is similar to these black mage soldiers that look just like her, just like him. Uh, they start building these black mage soldiers uh, to attack in in these wars, and uh, and eventually you find out that those black mage soldiers have a finite lifetime which is like five years or something like that. It's a very short amount of time, probably less than that. Which is very troubling for a creature who gained sentience and wasn't just a lackey like the other ones, which there are more that come up later on in the story that they also uh, were able to think for themselves. But because he was raised uh, by, not a human, but, you know, humanoid creature, right. uh, he was able to think for himself and be his own person. And then he has to find out later on after going on this grand adventure that oh, wait, I'm going to die soon. I don't get to live for a long time. I, I like It's kind of hard-hitting. It sucks. Depressing. Right. You do find out later on that Vivi is like a beta version of these black mages, and they didn't like that he... Well, I forget all the details, but I know they they wanted to make something that had less of a soul than, than he did and that didn't live as long, so they were more disposable if need be. Yeah. Why do they dump them out of an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's Evie. That's Vivi's struggle. I hope I don't keep saying Evie. Yeah, <laughs> Vivi. <laughs> so that's Evie's th- Vivi's thing. Oh my goodness, Vivi, Vivi. Just call it Big V. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's with almost every character. I'm not gonna run through all of them, but I'm gonna bring this one minor character up. Uh. I don't know if you read anything about Sir Fratley. No, I don't think so. So Sir Fratley is like a, I don't know, basically like a love interest of the character Freya. You read about her? No. No? Freya is uh, from uh, this other city called Bermesia. They all look like horses or something like oh, that. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> anyway, yeah. There's so much. Like it. The, the, if if any episode of this podcast makes us sound like nerds, it's this one. It makes you sound like a nerd. I didn't play this game. All right, excuse me. Makes me sound like a nerd. Nerd. I feel like I'm talking about Dungeons and Dragons right now. <laughs> yeah. No offense to anyone who likes that. I just don't know anything about it, and it always sounds so complex. Yeah, it just sounds like you're just sitting there like Caleb right now, and you just have this slightly blank stare. just like, yeah, he's saying words, <laughs> but I don't know what they mean. Anyway, Sir Fratley is... Comparing him to most of the other characters, he seems like one of the most leveled out characters. Like he, before the time that you meet him in the game, he used to be like a solid um, knight for Bermesia, 
and he I think when the wars first started uh, started out, he left for me for me so he had to travel the world uh, to keep the peace as well as he could. But then even even with him, even with this one person that you meet that is confident and powerful and certain of what he is, where he came from, and what his purpose is, by the time you meet him in the game, he has amnesia and doesn't know who he <laughs> is or anything about his past. And for Freya, who is in love with him, when they when they when you finally meet up with him, she's totally distraught. And then she's like, What is my life without the person I'm in love with? So his whole arc is I don't know my identity. I have amnesia. And then the princess is, Where do I come from? And then blonde hair guy is, where do I come from? And then Vivi is, where do I come from? And we can open it up even further. Uh, and we're gonna. Oh, is it, is it gonna bring in Steiner? I don't feel like talking about Steiner. Oh, come on. He's the only character I liked. Oh, really? No. But he had a big sword. Or no, he was a knight. Yeah. And I just like his name, Steiner. Reminds me of Rick and Scott Steiner from wrestling. Oh. Okay. Big Papa Pump. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Well, you're missing out. Anyway, <laughs> go on. So earlier we were talking about, Caleb was talking about the crystals and the planets, how they were <laughs> like, and maybe we're getting too involved here. But anyway, I won't take too long on this because this is just so convoluted. But it's stupid. It's too much. <laughs> it's, I hope you're enjoying this. It's just too much. Why do the crystals, <laughs> like that's where I draw the line. Why do we you have know, these crystals? I wasn't even going to talk about the crystals because the, the- It's the framework for the whole universe that we're right, in. Right, there, there are crystals, but the it's main- literally the catalyst for the, why this story uh, the main thing, begun. <laughs> <laughs> the main thing for me is their the planets are merging. They want to merge the planets. And it's not how planets work. Oh god! <laughs> so th- this Garland guy that you don't meet until like the end of the game. Uh, he's from the other planet, Terra. Terra is older than Gaia. Something happened with Terra. I think. Well, yeah, I think Terra's life cycle is that they always merge with planets to keep continue on. It's a parasite planet, right? Basically, and the people of Terra actually, this is kind of like lore. I don't think they fully explain this in the game, but they might. Maybe I just missed it. But supposedly the people of Terra actually built Garland to preserve Terra. Garland started building uh, other uh, genomes, they, they call them, which is what Kuja is. I don't know if we talked about Kuja We didn't yet. mention Kuja and his thong. Kuja, yeah. Kuja is this very effeminate gentleman. G-string wearing who purple guy. wears almost nothing. but uh, His clothes are purple, not him. They're they're like white and blue in the actual game. But not that it doesn't anyone matter. gives a shit about that. I think he turns purple uh, at the end or red or something. Yeah, he turns red. My whole point is Garland also created Kuja to help him in the process of preserving Terra and merging the planets. Kuja is the one who ended up influencing Queen Bronn to start the wars to begin with. And she went so the, crazy. Yeah, and the, the whole thing was that he knew she would go crazy and he would be able to take all the all the Eidolons from her and end up lashing back out at Garland because uh, he finds out that he is also uh, 
expendable and it has an expiration date. Uh, so the whole genome thing, Garland created genomes, which are like, they're originally they're like empty vessels for the souls of uh, the old souls of Terra to go to flow back into. Uh, he created Kuja, who is the like an actual one with a consciousness or whatever uh, sentience, but he had flaws because he couldn't he didn't have the ability to develop like full a full breadth of human emotion. So then Garland ended up creating Zidane also, and Kuja ended up throwing Zidane ba- down to Gaia. <laughs> Threw him out of a plane. Basically. Yeet. And that's why Zidane doesn't know where he's from, because he's from another planet that he didn't know existed. How strong are these babies, though? They could just fall out of the sky and I'm be sure okay. that's not actually what happened. <laughs> I, th- I could have sworn they all fell out of the sky. <laughs> maybe they all landed on soft I mean, maybe, stuff. I don't know. But it's... It, it, I, I... Like... Playing the game again, it's. I don't think I actually realized how that all comes together for the longest time. <laughs> like I, I kind of get like got the gist of it. Yeah. Bef- playing it before, but this last playthrough, I was like, oh, this all goes together. Like everyone has no idea who they are. <laughs> it's too much. And I don't know if you knew this either, but like almost, almost all of the characters, the main characters anyway, Garland, Zidane, Vivi. Vivi's only nine years old. Zidane is Zidane and Garland are sixteen. Or not Garland. Zidane and Dagger are only 16. You know, a lot of the characters are really young, and they're all having, like... Existential, existential crises, yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty young to be talking about mortality and worrying right. about death. Right. And then, if you even wanted to go a step further, you can talk about the identity of the planet. Because uh. it's like... <laughs> I thought that was profound. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. But if you're playing the game, it's not too much. Yeah, because it unravels over 40 hours. Right. I don't know. I guess I can just I got the gist quiet. of, yeah, I, I think I got the general gist of... Uh, At the end, you fight God. Oh, I did not know you fought God. <laughs> you don't literally, yeah, but... I thought it was the God of Death or something. I don't know. It might be. It was I, Death. It wasn't God. It, it just fight very death. much seems like you're fighting death you fight death god and you beat up death but you fight hades too that's death no but at the end you fight this other thing i don't know what it, i forget Separate. what the name is it's just this floating thing in the sky oh i like how I, i'm like correcting you like i played this game and know it all right i don't know if you're listening yeah, to you me folks shit. i'm just like the thing about the babies falling out of the airplane 100 true that exactly is what happened but you know other than that i don't know what i'm talking about well anyway looks like a cool sorry. game it's a fun game it is a cool game I like highly a, recommend playing it at least once. It's it's gonna have if you if you it's gonna make you cry though. It again spoiler. It ends with Vivi's letter because he died. He got married. Well, you can make him marry. You don't have to get married. But he finally accepts his mortality and his finite life on Earth or Gaia or wherever he is. And he writes a letter that he I don't know. I didn't read the letter, but what what is it about him dying and accepting it and. He was happy that he met his friends along the way and all that stuff. You know, I never realized that he died. Oh, God. How do you not know he died? That was the big so, part of the, the whole ending. No, because it's not like it's not like an explicit thing they say that he died. I, his he time might, ran out. Yeah, you figured that was going to happen. I thought maybe he didn't. His time wouldn't run out. because. But anyway, I don't know. The only thing they do show, they show that letter. I, I don't remember what it says exactly, but... Uh, but they do show that he had kids, 
and his kids are they look exactly like him. Yeah, I thought it said something about the kids live on in his memory or something. Yeah, and they're little VVs. Maybe I just never. Maybe by that time I was tired. And you were too ready for the the Z man and the princess to get dagger to get together and be happy. Yeah, because she runs through a crowd and he's like, "Hey!" and they hug it out. Probably I like love stories. They smooch. I bet they smooch. You know how many times I've seen you've got mail. You know, I don't think I've ever watched that movie. Oh, it's so good. Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. Yeah. I know the scenes, Yeah. but I don't think I've ever watched the actual... I might have a long time ago, but that's... I, I just don't... I don't know. I never really liked Meg Ryan. I don't really. want Tom Hanks to be a romantic man. You don't want him to be a romantic man? No, his head's too square. Too rectangular. I mean, he's good at that, though. He, he is good. He's, he's good at having a square head. He's good at everything. He's good at... Yeah, he's good at having that shape head. But the point is, <laughs> this game is definitely worth the playthrough. Even though I haven't played it, I can already tell I would like it uh, if you can get past the jump roping. Yeah, you can get past the jump. You don't even have to do that, Caleb. You're really dwelling on this because you've never played the fucking game. And <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> I like that because you played it. You get so caught up in this giant unfolding tale of just greatness <laughs> that you can't see the inconsistencies and the stupidity of certain <laughs> things that I get to see because I have never played the game. So I can sit there and go, well, why are there chickens on every planet? Like, why, why is everyone falling out of planes? Like, I can look at these things, but you're just like, no, it's a really cool story, man. And I'm like, but there's jump roping. So stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs> I'll have I'll be able to talk about the next episode a little better probably. <laughs> We're going to be discussing what we decided for the purposes of this podcast is Final Fantasy IX's literary counterpart, Neil Gaiman's novel American Gods. And maybe Stardust would have been better, but we're doing American Gods. I can't believe I didn't and, think of that until we... Because I didn't know there was airships in Final Fantasy And I, I didn't know anything about... I, or I, princesses or anything. I've seen the, like, the movie previews for Stardust. Yeah. Literally the smallest amount of research on my part would have solved that problem. <laughs> if I just did anything before yesterday. Yeah. When you told me to. Shit. Last week when you told me to check out. Because I knew this story for Final Fantasy IX was going to be so epic and sprawling that I would not remember any of it if I did it a week ago. I had to do yeah. it yesterday. And I assumed there would be a lot more video stuff on YouTube about the game than there was when I was looking for it. There definitely is a lot of documentary style stuff. I just thought that someone would put like a, a uh, uh, what's the word, like a collection of all the scene, all the, the cutscenes, uh, the dialogue scenes, so that like just the story stuff. I thought for sure someone put all that together, but I couldn't find anything. Well, the playthrough I watched was just like kind of like scenes. It might have been what you described, but it was an hour and six minutes long. Yeah. So I was not watching. I mean, it would. That yeah, much. maybe that would be it. It would be long. fairly long. It wouldn't be like that. It would probably be about that long. Let me ask you this, Bryce. Okay. So you were saying by the fourth playthrough, you were a little bit bored reading all of this dialogue and all the story unfolding. You're like, all right, I know it. I don't. I don't need to read it. Now imagine if you never played the game and you're watching someone else play the game and you have to read all that dialogue about a game you're not invested in because you're not playing it. How boring would that be? You could have said, "Let's not do this game." But I wanted to do the game because then I have to play the game. You want you like the game, man? All right. Well, you know what? Going forward, I want you to be interested in both. Well, what happens if we do a game that I play that you don't play? Then we could have the, the this could switch. Most of the time, I will play the game. And then you I could just be don't want to play Fear and Hunger. Oh, that's such a good game. Yeah, brutal, brutality. Yeah, adult themes. I just don't want adult themes in a video game. What if it's a like um, you say you want to play modern? How's Bioshock not adult themes? 
Well, like, it's, I'm fine with, like, gore and stuff and, like, talking about it. I just don't want to, like, I don't want to have, like, pornographic stuff in, in ah, a game. Ah, hooey. Yeah. Ah, hooey. You can avoid <laughs> the pornographic stuff. You just don't know how to unless you play the game. You can play the dating simulator version then. Okay. That's probably, probably don't better. To, don't you have to beat the game to get to that? Or yeah, no? Well, I get the code. I know the code. Okay. Anyway, if you want to do a podcast on the dating simulator of the game, <laughs> it's very stupid. Uh, so, yes, we are going to be covering American Gods on next week's episode. Mm-hmm. And if you're enjoying the show, which I hope you are, I feel like this one was pretty fun, even though it was stupid. <laughs> I think people will enjoy it if they made it this far. <laughs> so be sure to follow or subscribe or whatever it is. And as soon as we establish the social media presence, be sure to follow us and watch for us there. I always say that every episode, and I know I sound ridiculous, but I'm just not into social media. I stopped doing it a couple years ago, but my wife is going to make a social media something for the podcast, and she's going to run it, and when that happens, I assume I'll set it up by the time we're actually putting these shows out, and you'll we'll, we'll be out there, uh, and it, I, it'll be stupid that I even keep saying this. So hopefully... I sound like an idiot every episode. Just like me saying the spoiler warning when exactly. you insert it at the beginning and I, it's not a thing yet. Right. But it will be and then I'll just sound dumb. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so yeah. And then uh, uh, you can also look for our playing and reading schedule in the show notes so you can play and read along, uh, which should also be in the intro that I put out before uh, all the other episodes. And, Do you uh, think when the first episode drops... If you have the social media up or newsletters or something that you can post the whole, at least like five episodes or six episodes in advance or something of what we're going to do. Because some of these games like Final Fantasy IX yeah. take a long time to play, especially if you got American Gods to read along yeah. with it, which is not a small book. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, yeah, I, could, I mean, I could probably do that soon. Because we're getting up to like, I don't know, we're approaching ten episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh. unlike my podcast, where it's like a week before we cover a book, we're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to read this yeah. book, and then nobody reads it with us because we're stupid. Like, maybe <laughs> if you did at the beginning of the month, so I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll read along with you guys. Yeah, I can do that. And I'll try to I'll try to figure it out so that when we, like, uh, along the way, I'll try to do the same thing so you, so there's enough time for all of you to try, to try to keep up with us if you're at all interested. And if you have any game and book recommendations, please email us at arcadebookshop at gmail.com to let us know your good ideas. And let's not forget Caleb and his life outside of this podcast. My other podcast, the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. You can check out us and our literary discussions, our book discussions, our reviews, our nonsense. We go on and on about all kinds of topics anymore. Our last episode, which probably is 15 months ago by the time this actually drops, uh, <laughs> was about AI taking over the writing world and it's dangerous and how you can defeat the AI. You want to know how, Bryce? Go listen to the episode. Uh, you can follow us at DPW Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and never threads. I'm not getting the threads. Maybe Blue Sky, if I can never get accepted mm, that. Wait. The new social media is, Bryce, you're behind. What's never never threads? Threads, just threads. I'm never oh, you're saying going never, to be on doing, threads. Oh, okay, okay. yeah. Because if you delete the threads, you, it deletes your Instagram. Yeah. Stupid. Mm. Um, and you can also follow me at calebjamesk.com where I publish my actual growing publishing history if mm. any of these things ever get released. Yeah. 
Maybe when this episode drops, I'll have some that'll get released. But until then, yes, check those out. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Go stick a controller in one hand and your book in the other. All right. The roulette wheel. We're spinning. We're spinning to pick a game system, and then we're spinning to pick a game from the system. Spin. A random game. Wheel. Uh... (laughs) Yay. I don't know if that sound actually picks up on here or not. It'd be cool cool if it did. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> good lord! That was loud I, again. I don't know if that music's <laughs> gonna pick up either, but that was excruciating. <laughs> I was so happy. N sixty four is what we landed N64. on. N sixty four. That is the system. This will be a maybe because we probably I, we only we have limited access. You you have access to these. I, I could play some sixty four games. They work. Yeah. It's just, it's the controller that's the problem. Yeah. Well, let's try it and see what it comes up with. I know I have access to the ones that uh, are f- are are for free. Well, like that you get with the uh, Nintendo subscription for the Switch. So okay, and we're spinning for a game. Spin that wheel. <laughs> oh. That was less enthusiastic this time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Why are these all sports games? Walla Walla Country Club True Golf Classics. Read the manual USA 11. Spin that gate, that wheel again. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I'm not playing golf. Paper Mario. Read the manual. <laughs> Why does they always say read the manual? I don't know. We'll Paper, say Paper Mario. Mario and see what we can do. I don't remember Paper Mario 64 being a fun game. I don't know, but I think I have access to it. So let's. Let me look up Paper Mario. Okay. And see exactly what kind of game it is. I I thought it was a. Uh, I don't remember what I think it is. Paper Mario game series. Role yeah, it's RPG. What? It's Mario's RPG game. Is so it? it's like a long, drawn out game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you're you look like you're made of paper, I guess. Let's play. We gotta play Mario sixty four if we're doing that. Oh, not Origami King. What is that? <laughs> so Paper Mario sixty four. It's yeah, it's just a RPG where you look like you're cut out of paper. Yeah. I don't think I ever played that game. I never played it. Yeah, I think it's it looks like it's on Nintendo Switch online, so I could probably play that. That would be a fun one. I'm glad we got a, a one that wasn't sports or foreign. Yeah. Uh what are we going to read along with it? Are we not doing a reading with it? I don't know. Maybe we'll uh maybe we'll figure that out and tag it onto a different Read an Italio Calvino book because it's Italian. Well, it's not Italian, but Mario's supposedly Italian. Yeah, that's close enough. Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario. So there the we Mario have Mario Brothers. At some point, we're going to be playing Paper Mario. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I'll get excited.